It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, uh, of course, Bot Radio Network is about Bible teaching, Bible preaching, putting the Word of God out there plainly so people can know what the what the Bible says about right. life and everything else. Right, and encouraging listeners to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Yeah. All right, now here it is in 1968 when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was killed. I know exactly where I was sitting at the time I heard that. And you were—how old were you then? I was about 12. You were about 12 years old. And do you remember what I said we were going to do because spring vacation from school was coming up really quick? I said, this is what we're going to do. Uh, tell the folks. Well, yes, this that was Easter vacation coming up. And you said, we're going to go to where this is happening to see it for ourselves. Because it's history. Right. God has allowed us to have the tools and the the, the means of doing things that are really on my heart. And I think it's important. So we had an airplane. Matter of fact, I had a pilot's license. <laughs> and, uh, and and I said, I'm going to put the kids in the airplane. We are going down to Memphis. I want the kids to see it and never forget it because this is history. This is absolutely history. Then we went on to Atlanta where he had been just interned at that time. By that, I mean, folks, he'd been buried. And the, the green awning was still over the grave and the stone was there. I have a picture of you, Rich, standing in front of it, just this little boy, 12 years old. And what did it say on that gravestone? Right, it had the mound of dirt and the monument right there. It said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at yeah, last. and that's something. Now, let's get on with our program, Rich. But here's the thing, folks. Uh, we have been talking about pro-life. I mean, and that's a, if you can't get the life question right, what are you going to do about the rest of it? But life... And then what's next? It's liberty. Today, we're talking about liberty. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about being able without somebody having a foot on your neck to be free to live your life as God would have you do so. Yeah, and isn't it interesting? We just had the the March for Life this last weekend, and now today it's Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. I want to start out with this quick word from one of our listeners in Nebraska— uh, to remind the people what Bot Radio Network is all about. Here it is. Yeah, I'm out here in uh, Miller, Nebraska, and I tuned in your station about three years ago. You guys have changed my life so much. I have to drive 30 miles to work every day. In the morning, somebody out there with me, I'm listening to your radio, and it gives me comfort. It gives me hope, and it's changed my life forever. Thank you. Uh, all right. I tell you what, maybe we can jar some people today also, and we can go on with that subject because we're talking now about freedom. And uh, Rich, this is a spot announcement that you have been airing on Bot Radio Network. Let's, let's hear it again right now. Friends, this is Rich Bot. Today, as we honor the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., let us remember his dream and live it in our lives. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Isn't that something? You see, uh, my wife and I had four little children. 
And I wanted our little children to be able to grow up where they would be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. I mean, man alive, that really hit me, didn't it? It did, yes. Well, then let's move on because you've mentioned that uh, Martin Luther King, um, he was he was had his doctorate, and that's wonderful. But he was a pastor. He was a reverend. He had faith. And I want to, listeners right now to hear what was said about that. Hi, I'm Jonathan Alexander, the Director of Public Policy for Liberty Council and Liberty Council Action. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is widely celebrated today as the most notable icon of the civil rights movement. But perhaps he ought to be celebrated first and foremost for his role as a preacher and as a Christian pastor. King's role as a Christian minister was at the heart of everything that he sought to achieve in the civil rights movement. As the pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. King based not only his preaching, but also his political philosophy and his commitment to justice on his religious beliefs. Dr. King came from a deep legacy of faith, and his faith was one that saw its best fruition in the moments of crisis, adversity, courage, and the hope of a better tomorrow. These principles resound deeply today as we celebrate the life of this man who changed America for the better. For Dr. King, faith was the source of his courage, especially in the moments, the difficult moments of the civil rights movement. In one sermon, King shared how the Lord fortified him in his fight for justice. King said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now and faltering and losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to be weak. Dr. King said it seemed that at that moment he could hear an inner voice saying to him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. King said it's as if he heard the voice of Jesus saying that I will never leave you, never leave you alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Dr. King did not simply hold on to this abiding faith personally, but he also challenged the members of the civil rights movement to also maintain this faith. In his autobiography, when explaining just what motivated the participants of the civil rights movement, he wrote, it was Jesus of Nazareth that stirred the Negroes to protest with the creative weapon of the love of Christ, furnishing the spirit. Dr. King said the nonviolent movement was an expression of Christianity and action. Today, Reverend King's dreams are embodied in our continued desire for liberty and justice to be the theme of our society. But for many, his legacy is one not just of rights, but of one motivated by faith. It is that same faith that compels ministries and organizations and people of faith all over the country to give so much of themselves so that our families and our communities are strong and prosperous. Expressions of this faith are protected by the First Amendment. They're practiced by millions of adherents all over the world and are the deep and abiding identity of a people that in the borrowed words of Dr. King, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. Yeah, yeah. You see, Rich, uh, there's a lot of ways to imprison a person. There are many ways to hold a person back and hold a person down. Uh, Reverend King said, 
Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said that he, he dreamed of a day when his four little children would grow up, not be judged by their color, but by the content of their character. And character is developed by the church, by the family, and by the schools. And I'm telling you, we're not doing well right now because our schools are shot through with things to confuse kids. Kids are graduating without being able to read, without being able to get a job. Remember, Martin Luther King was in his 20s when he was doing and beginning his life legacy story. So anyway, the schools and the churches and the families are the foundation in every child's life. Isn't that amazing? It certainly is. And one of the neat things about radio is that we actually get to hear the voice of the person we're talking yeah. about. Now, I want the listeners right now, by the way, folks, I'm so happy that we have Bot Radio Network where, where we can let you hear the voices uh, that perhaps you've never, certainly the news media is never going to do a program like this, are they? The news media, they have their own axe to grind, their own agenda, and we are just saying, well, what does the Bible say? What is truth? Now listen, here is the voice of um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. One day a man came to Jesus, and he wanted to raise some questions about some vital matters of life. At points, he wanted to trick Jesus and show him that he knew a little more than Jesus knew and throw him off base. Now, that question could have easily ended up in a philosophical and theological debate. But Jesus immediately pulled that question from midair and placed it on a dangerous curve between Jerusalem and Jericho. And he talked about a certain man who fell among thieves. You remember that a Levite and the priest passed by on the other side. They didn't stop to help him. And finally, a man of another race came by. He got down from his beast, decided not to be compassionate by proxy. But he got down with him, administered first aid, and helped the man in need. Jesus ended up saying this was the good man, this was the great man. Because he had the capacity to project the eye into the vow and to be concerned about his brother. Now, you know, we use our imagination a great deal to try to determine why the priest and the Levite didn't stop. The times we say they were busy going to a church meeting, an ecclesiastical gathering, and they had to get on down to Jerusalem so they wouldn't be late for their meeting. We would speculate that there was a religious law that one who was engaged in religious ceremonial was not to touch a human body 24 hours before the ceremony. And every now and then we begin to wonder whether maybe they were not going down to Jerusalem, or down to Jericho rather, to organize a Jericho Road Improvement Association. That's a possibility. Maybe they felt that it was better to deal with the problem from 
the causal root rather than to get bogged down with an individual effect. But I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 miles, or rather 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you are about 2,200 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the bloody paths. You know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking. And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there love them there for quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week as a pastor? The question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question. Oh, man, Rich. That's man, Rich. So listen, now, listen, now, listen. I'm going to make an executive decision right now on the air. We are going to repeat this complete program tomorrow. So it'll air not only today, which is Monday, but it'll be repeated again tomorrow, which is Tuesday. That way the listeners can call their people if they want to hear the program, know it's coming up again. But now Dr. Alveda King, she's been our friend for years. She's a great Christian. And Alveda King is the niece of Martin Luther King. And she's pro-life, and she's a great Christian. She was in Washington for the— uh, March for Life. I want you to read some of her direct quotes. Well, she released this today about uh, Martin Luther King Day, and she said, number one, to dishonor a prophet by raising a political banner which supports killing innocent babies on MLK's birthday is so inhuman. And then she says, to dishonor a prophet by raising a political banner on his birthday is so inhumane. King sought after the spirit, not the flesh. He was after the divine. 
20th century skin color race card inflammation will not solve crimes against humanity, including abortion, human trafficking, modern slavery, and oppression. MLK did not serve politics. He didn't serve government. He served God. And finally, she says, we are not colorblind. We are one human race, one blood created in living color. Oh, you know what? I have talked to her about that. I love that. People will say, oh, oh, I'm colorblind. Well, isn't that too bad? Isn't that too bad? Uh, are you completely blind then? I mean, come on, folks. God made colors, mm -hmm. and God made the flowers. I, I don't particularly care it's for it. It's part of the beauty of his creation. Well, you look out over a flower garden, I want to see all the colors. So I love it when Alveda King, Dr. Alveda King says, I'm not colorblind. And I thought, well, that's exactly right. Neither am I. We've got to learn to love each other and appreciate each other. We've got to have good schools for everybody. And by the way, a good school is just not an expensive institution with fancy building and highly paid people. It's a good school where they are held accountable for what the children have learned when they come out of that school, starting in the in grade school. I don't want to get on my soapbox yeah, she here. She says, one human race, one blood created in living color. All right, now here is another message. Here is another message. It's a powerful message. You've never heard this before, folks, by Dr. Martin Luther King. Here it is. One day after finishing school, I was called to a little church down in Montgomery, Alabama. And I started preaching there. Things were going well in that church. It was a marvelous experience. But one day, a year later, a lady by the name of Rosa Parks, decided that she wasn't going to take it any longer. She stayed on a bus seat. And you may not remember it because it's way back now, several years, but it was the beginning of a movement where 50,000 black men and women refused absolutely to ride the city buses, and we walked together for 381 days. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what we got to learn in the North. The Negroes have to learn to stick together. We stuck together. We sent out the call. No Negro rode the buses. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. people of Montgomery asked me to serve as the spokesman. And as the president of the new organization, the Montgomery Improvement Association that came into being to lead the boycott, I couldn't say no. And then we started our struggle together. Things were going well for the first few days, but then about 10 or 15 days later, after the white people in Montgomery knew that we meant business, they started doing some nasty things. They started making nasty telephone calls and came to the point that some days more than 40 telephone calls 
would come in threatening my life, the life of my family, the life of my children. I took it for a while in a strong manner. But I never will forget one night very late. It was around midnight. And you can have some strange experiences at midnight. I had been out meeting with the steering committee all that night. And I came home. My wife was in the bed and I immediately crawled into bed to get some rest, to get up early the next morning to try to keep things going. And immediately the telephone started ringing and I picked it up. On the other end was an ugly voice. That voice said to me in substance, We are tired of you and your mess now. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. I'd heard these things before, but for some reason that night it got to me. I turned over and I tried to go to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. I was frustrated, bewildered. Then I got up and went back to the kitchen and I started warming some coffee, thinking that coffee would give me a little relief. Then I started thinking about many things. I pulled back on the theology and philosophy that I had just studied in the universities, trying to give philosophical and theological reasons for the existence and the reality of sin and evil. But the answer didn't quite come there. I sat there and thought about a beautiful little daughter who had just been born about a month earlier. We have four children now, but we only had one then. She was the darling of my life. I'd come in night after night and see that little gentle smile. And I sat at that table thinking about that little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from any minute. And I started thinking about a dedicated, devoted, and loyal wife who was over there asleep. She could be taken from me, I could be taken from her. And I got to the point that I couldn't take it any longer, I was weak. Something said to me, you can't call on daddy now, he's up in Atlanta 175 miles away. You can't even call on mama now. You gotta call on that something in that person that your daddy used to tell you about. That power that can make a way out of no way. I discovered then that religion had to become real to me and I had to know God for myself. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I never will forget it. Oh, yes, I prayed a prayer, and I prayed out loud that night. 
I'll say, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now, I'm faltering, I'm losing my courage. Seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. I tell you, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. Sometimes I feel discouraged. I don't mind telling you this morning that sometimes I feel discouraged. I felt discouraged in Chicago. As I moved through Mississippi and Georgia and Alabama, I feel discouraged. Living every day under the threat of death, I feel discouraged sometimes. Living every day under extensive criticisms, even from Negroes, I feel discouraged sometimes. Yes, sometimes I feel discouraged and feel my works in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. God bless you. Rich, Rich, what is the phone number now for our listeners that want to comment? We want to hear from our listeners. What is the phone number? Call 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. God bless each and every one of our Bot Radio Network family. This is Dick Bot with his chapter, The Complete Story. Believe me as a public service, and I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.